0: Everybody, welcome back to the Menshwarers. I'm Jamie here with my buddy Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, friend? I'm very
1: good. Uh, uh, Chag Pesach Sameach to everyone out there.
0: Um, yeah, we're, we're, this we're a week away, more or less. A week
1: away. That's right. Uh, but you know, by the time this comes out, we'll be less than a week away. And then next week, there's no episode as we're on schedule. So this is our last pre-Passover episode. I, I see that you know at my local uh, at my local grocery store, the macaroons are back on the shelves. <laughs> um that seems like a good seasonal introduction. The macaroons are back on the shelves, ladies and gentlemen, and it's Passover.
0: That's right. that's, right. That, that's how you know. That smell of uh slightly stale coconut in in the background in the kosher section. That's that's how you know. Um, and and
1: uh full sugar coke.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a big deal, sugar for you, coke. Right? I, I know you're you're a full fat coke guy uh, at least on Love occasion.
1: Uh, do you, on on do you Passover. Up usually. On Passover coke. Yeah, oh, okay. I think I think we're just sort of Passover we're a Passover coke family. Right. Uh, but also a, a diet Coke family normally.
0: Right. Uh, that, that's how you keep kosher for Passover. Like it, even if it's kosher for Passover, like there's gotta be a change, you know what I mean? It's like switching, totally. out, the oil, switching out to a new oil or something like that. Um, <laughs> so you switch out <laughs> to the full fat, full sugar, cane sugar, Coke. Um, Absolutely. It's,
1: it's great. It's a, it's a yearly tradition. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, Do you t- have any exciting Passover, Passover plans?
0: Well, I was going to say, like, talking about traditions, there is something we've done the last two years, which is a, a Jewish baseball Passover Seder. Um, and this would be the time to do it. I think we decided that it's just we, we've been a little baseball focused. Obviously, we both love baseball, uh, but with the World Baseball Classic, you know, we, we've gone over a lot of what we would typically go over. Um, so I, I, I guess I should say, uh, you know, feel free to listen to the previous Jewish ba- baseball Passover Seder. The content's pretty similar. Uh, yep. They are not uh halakhically approved to use as an actual haggadah for a Seder, But you know, if you're having a fun sports Seder for some reason, uh feel free to go back yeah. and listen to those. Hopefully it'll it, we, it'll we, return in the future. Maybe we'll we'll do something
1: for it. Maybe just but. do our baseball version of dianu. You know, like <laughs> if, if uh uh Sandy Koufax sat out on Yom Kippur, that would have been enough dianu, And and right. then you can put a little baseball into your into your Saders. Yeah. Uh, um baseball on the baseball. Seder plate.
0: Feel free to talk about baseball at your Passover Seders. Uh, It will be the first week of the season coming up very soon. Uh, opening days in just a few days, and, and it's very exciting. I think for Jewish baseball fans, ever, I, I, I think there's a there's a little bit of baseball we want to talk about just because you know obviously we've been talking about uh, World Baseball Classic a lot, but there are a few guys that that we should probably talk about just as a baseball MLB preview that weren't on Team Israel uh, that are that are worth mentioning and and you know paying attention to this year. Um, so off the top of my head, I would say Max Reed's probably the biggest one. Uh very big know, one. ace pitcher for the Braves. He was announced as the opening day starter. Um he he finished uh he finished second for the Cy Young Award in the NL last year, third gold glove in a row, and you know, just continuing to continuing to be a stud. I mean, he's gonna be an ace for as long as he's pitching. Uh so, um
1: and and very yeah. similarly on the uh other side of the league in, in the American League, we've got recently discovered to be Jewish um, by descent, Dylan Cease, another sure. uh, Cy Young finalist, I think also came
0: also came in second for the Cy Young, right? Yeah, he did.
1: Um, right, another born to runner up. That's our uh, that's the Jewish uh, philosophy, at least for right. baseball Cy Young awards last year. Um, but we got so the two probably, of them sort of leading the charge.
0: That's probably the best bet for Jewish hardware this year in a regular season award. I would say is probably Freed or Cease uh, winning a Cy Young. Um, so mm-hmm. keep an eye on them. I. I, I, I Think Cease is the opening day starter uh, for this, I White think he Sox, should be, I'm not sure. It might be. It might be Lynn, um, just in terms of like seniority or something like that. Uh, um, let's
1: not also forget, you know, a couple of opportunities. Harrison Bader, who was on Team Israel and had to leave due to injury, is a Gold Glove candidate as he is a extremely athletic guy and is the starting center fielder for the New York Yankees. So he'll get a lot of view. Um, yeah. He's got a chance at hardware. It's sort of a, a secondary hardware, but hardware nonetheless, as well as uh you know, going into a full season of health, is new Yankees closer, Scott F Ross.
0: Right. That's true. Uh, ano- another acquired, uh,
1: injured team Israel player.
0: Yeah. He was acquired at the trade deadline last year, I think. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to miss probably all of this year with uh, Tommy John surgery, but maybe he'll be back towards the end of the year. I'm not sure exactly what his timeline is.
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's a good point. That's a very, very right. good point.
0: And then I think last but not, not least in terms of guys who weren't at the WBC, uh, obviously Alex Bregman, Uh, third baseman for the Houston Astros who, you know, really had a great 2022 coming back to form, uh, you know, leading them to uh, a world series win. Uh, You know, he's talked about sort of playing for Israel, like as an idea, Uh, he has the sort of Jewish baseball legacy, but hasn't, hasn't made it happen. Maybe next time around, who knows? I I don't know if he's, he's going to be a WBC guy, but uh, you know, those are those, he, he sort of rounds out the guys who weren't, on in the WBC, um, I, I would just mention as well, you know, shout out and congratulations to Rowdy Tellez, uh, who was at the WBC with Team Mexico, uh, the Brewers' DH and first baseman. Uh, you know, helped the team make the semifinals. Pretty historic run for Mexico. Yeah. I, I know, he, I know they, we were all you know, watching that Japan-Mexico game uh, last it week. It
1: was fantastic. You know, he wasn't one of the stars of the team, but we were very proud of him. Um, yeah. You know, watching him perform as a major leaguer on this team, and and hopefully he's got another good season uh coming in now you know lastly i think to to wrap up our coverage of the wbc maybe we come full circle here um talk about friend of the pod with both we've got some naches uh for him ryan lavarnway uh, announces retirement from baseball over the last 2 weeks you know this tournament was sort of the end of the road for him and he was you know proud to represent israel for the fourth time um, right. in this tournament uh, you know one of the ogs of the international baseball scene for israel um you know, he mentioned the other day they were in the 40s ranked in the world. And now they're one of the best 15 teams. Um, it's really quite remarkable.
0: Right. Uh, I sort of got that feeling. I think at the end of the interview we did with Ryan, he we asked him about, you know, next steps for him. He didn't have a deal at the time. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, we'll see what happens. And not not surprisingly, we saw what happened <laughs> after, afterwards. He, he announced his retirement. Uh, I don't think it's it's much of a stretch to say that he's probably going to be a guy who's around as a coach. Um, internationally, for sure. I, I, I can only assume he's going to be continuing to be involved in Team Israel in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, You don't you know, often do...
1: get a lot of Yale-educated uh, uh, Major League Baseball players, especially, you know, we talked about right. his, his close friend and, and classmate uh, or co-alumnus, uh, Craig Breslow, who's now the VP of Player Development for the Cubs. I would not be surprised to see Ryan have a similar career trajectory uh, post, you know, this tournament.
0: Yeah, between besides the um, the academic achievement, he's a catcher, and catchers tend to be the guys who you know more than more than anybody else go into coaching uh, or different elements of you know front office baseball, whatever it's going to be. Uh, so I, you know, obviously no knowledge about this, but I really imagine we will see Ryan in the future uh, in, in coaching in some capacity, and, and you know, who knows, maybe in the, in the big leagues uh, as a coach or manager before too long, and and. It, it,
1: maybe even back on our show. He's welcome anytime.
0: Anytime. It is sort of, I I always find it sort of funny that, um, or not funny, but just sort of amazing that like, there's guys who go their whole career, you know, sort of working through the system, getting up to the minors and stuff like that. And then you retire and, and it's not like, well, you were a major leaguer. So now you're a major league coach. I mean, you got to go all the way retire. back. You have to go all the way back. Like there's guys who start off, uh, you know, coaching their kids high school or something like that. And you know, Ooh. get a junior college job, and get a you know, like I, I, I truly made it. Like getting a job as a coach in a mi- in the minor league system, like that's a hell of an achievement in itself. Like just getting working your way through those ranks is, is really something. So, um, you know, it, it it it's funny or not funny. It is interesting sometimes when you don't hear about a guy for a while, uh, and then ten years later, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they're the bench coach uh, somewhere, and it's like, boy, I wonder what that guy's been up to. And you look at that, it, it's like, yeah, he's been in you know Toledo and uh, you know Muscat Flats for the last. 10 years, just like working through the uh, minor league system. Uh, you know, right I, I
1: think a, a great way to uh, mention is Don Mattingly, you know, MLB right. legend, great player, six-time All-Star MVP, nine-time Gold Glover, uh, was a minor league baseball coach for seven or eight years um, right. before he became, you know, he was a minor league hitting coach. Then he was a roving instructor, you know, and, and then he sort of became, eventually worked his way up to become the manager of the Dodgers eight years after his first, uh, you know, instructing role.
0: Wow. Oh sorry. Uh, I I
1: sorry. that's fifteen years after his first instructing role. I read that incorrectly.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Um, um new bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh we should mention as well that there there's a few uh current managers in MLB uh who are Jewish as well who who weren't involved in the in, in the WBC. Uh Gabe Kapler among them, uh manager for the San Francisco Giants. Uh in his division also Bob Melvin of the San Diego Padres. Uh and over for the, uh, for the L <coughs> Sorry. Um, is uh, that it? uh Kapler and Melvin? Am I missing I, one? I think
1: that's it. I, I you know, Osmus unfortunately yeah, lost his right. job. Um, you know, he hasn't been a manager in the major leagues uh, for a while, um, but I believe that's just the two of them. Osmus and Melvin. Or sorry, Osmus. Yeah. I, I, excuse me. Uh, Kapler and Melvin. I should, I, I sort of regret missing that. Gabe's got to stick together. Um, and I, I unfortunately left Gabe, Left Gabe hanging out there. My mistake.
0: Yeah. So the two guys in the, in, in the NL West, uh, Melvin and Kapler. And uh, we'll see if there's more. I mean, people do get fired. Uh, people do get promoted. <laughs> All kinds of things happen. Uh, um, I, think, so, I think we reported last year that, that Jay's new manager as of last year, John Schneider, is not Jewish. I mean, some Schneiders are. Some Schneiders. No, not, there's a couple of Mike. A non-Jewish Schneider.
1: There's a couple of Mike, uh, uh, Mike Jacobs all-stars, I think, who are. Yeah, Mark, uh, uh, Mark
0: Kotze sort of has the, the sound.
1: Exactly. Um, not to mention uh, Phil Nevin. Yeah. Um, you know, I've could always be. thought he was Jewish for a long time. Brian Snitker, as well as I think sure. he could be a a, a Mike Jacobs All Star. Um, but no, that I think that pretty much does it for the two of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, talking about WBC and international sports, we pressure mentioned this off the top, but we have a great interview coming up uh, with Paul Shinman. Uh, unfortunately, you weren't able to join me, but he was the founder of the uh, Israel Ice Hockey Federation. Uh, Extremely I know, cool. It's, its original name had to do with uh, figure skating as well, but uh, he he talked about sort of his life in uh, in Israel and in Israel hockey and the development of that. Um, so you know, sort of thematically interesting to talk about it in relation to baseball, two sports not not necessarily uh, local to Israel in any in any real way, but that have sort of developed in different ways over the last you know twenty thirty years.
1: So I've got a question for you. You know, now yeah. that you've we've we've spoken to. Um, a number of uh, winter Israeli athletes. Is there a single Israeli sort of winter sports team that has not at any point called themselves the Frozen Chosen?
0: (laughs) You know, it just rolls off the tongue so well, that how could you not? It does. You know, I continue to see, uh, you know, stories of uh, uh, Israeli Olympic bobsledder, A.J. Edelman, uh, in his quest to return to the Olympics, I guess. Uh geez, it's it's just it's just one uh wait, no, sorry, three short years away uh from being <laughs> the next Winter Olympics. I was gonna say there's another Olympics next year, and there is, it's a yeah. Summer Olympics. Uh the are, Winter Olympics in three years, but it's such a it's such a regimented schedule. You really just have to be training all the time and uh that's, you're to make it back in, in bobsled and, and maybe You have the
1: there. whole Olympiad. I know that right. I learned this, you know, some time ago that the Olympiad is actually the term of four years.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Like a, in, in Greek, a four-year term is known as an Olympiad. Whether that's like a colloquialism or like the actual word, I don't know. But he's got most of this Olympiad left.
0: Right. Uh, I did want to make a, uh, a hockey connection that uh, I, I did some research into afterwards, uh, which is that the sort of quintessential hockey story in Canada uh, that I think we're all sort of forced to read when we're in elementary school, like write an essay about it, uh, there an award-winning, I think a BAFTA award-winning, uh, adaptation of it, uh, which is of course the hockey sweater, you know, a, a, a story so famous that it was excerpted onto the $5 bill, uh, in doing some research, I found out that it was translated to English by Sheila Fish, Sheila Fishman, uh, huh. a Jewish, uh, tr- translator and writer, uh, from, it was born in all places of Moose Jaw, uh, grew up in Toronto, wow. actually, a, a, an alumna of, of, uh, my alma mater, Forest Hill Collegiate. Um, but she was the person who actually translated into English and done translations of lots of Quebecois uh, stories. Uh, but amazingly, yeah, she was the translator for The Hockey Sweater, the, the Roche Carrier st- story. That, That's uh, amazing. I, 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 the reason I was looking to it is I was curious whether it has any lasting legacy outside of Canada. And it's hard to tell. I mean, I, like, it's not like... I don't think it's like Anne of Green Gables, where it's, uh, you know, the thing that Japanese people use to learn English, like it has that sort of effect. But I can only imagine that that kids like friends
1: not, and you know, and people on and, Netflix.
0: Yeah, just that, you know, the hockey sweater has a has such a deep legacy in Canada as a as a foundational story that uh, I got to imagine that it's been translated elsewhere. And, um, you know, that it's it must be read in other parts of the world as a, you know, if you're going to read one thing about hockey uh, and also uh- about. The, the divisions within kebukwak culture in the 1950s. <laughs> I also have to wonder, be the sweater. It's a good
1: question. I wonder if like, you know, there are, it has inspired things all over the world. Like right. there's a, a Japanese story about somebody who orders like a, a Hiroshima baseball Jersey and then gets a, a Yakult one instead. And right. they have to, you know, they understand the, it's an allegory for like Northern and Southern Japanese, uh, uh sort of, a, uh, you know, uh, cultural and geographical differences. Um, I actually want to double down on that fact that the guy who illustrated um, sort of yeah. the modern version That's of right. the hockey sweater, um, as well as illustrated the movie, the movie, I mean, uh, was also Jewish. A guy named Sheldon, Sheldon Cohen. Cohen from Montreal. That's
0: right. Yeah. So very cool. Something to be proud of uh, vis-a-vis the hockey sweater. The most famous story about uh, sportswear, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's yeah, a good I mean, question.
1: I, what are the? I wonder what the greatest pieces of sportswear-related literature are.
0: There was a series of books when I was a kid that was about like kids who like wore a football jersey and it transformed them into football players. Yeah, I, really I, I would say,
1: um, like Mike, like the Magic Shoes from Like oh, that's Mike. True. That, that's um, a, that's
0: quite a trope, actually, of like kid wears um, certain type of a clothing and like turns into super athlete. Uh,
1: Absolutely, or or the Mean Joe Green commercial, you know, he throws the kid his his jersey
0: or, or the it, towel, yeah, the towel, or to, yeah, the towel. I think, anyways, uh, but something cool to think about. And I guess if there's any Israeli uh, young young ho- young Israelis interested in hockey and also boning up their French, uh, look no further than the Roche Classic, or in English, as translated, <laughs> as tra- translated by Sheila Fishman. Um, that's right, and and drawn by Sheldon Cohen. That's right, uh, Gabe. Anything else you want to discuss before we move on to our interview? Um,
1: you know, not much uh, big news out of sort of other Jewish sports worlds. We've been sort of tennis season is starting to ramp up. Um, you know, we're a couple I'm sure of am away. A, there was
0: a match in Miami between uh, Taylor Fritz and Denis Shapovalov, both uh, exactly of, of some Jewish ancestry, if not if not full fledged Jews. Um, but
1: um, you know, the season's coming up with with our next uh, you know Roland Garros, our next major, in about. Six to eight weeks, um, which is relatively exciting to see. You know, baseball has really dominated a lot of the Jewish sports headlines. Um, but sure. before we get into this hockey interview, important to remember the NHL playoffs are beginning um, yep. very, very soon. Um, you know, Edmonton Zach Hyman likely to be playing uh, in the playoffs. You know, barring disaster, Edmonton is going to get in, um, as well as Pittsburgh's Jason Zucker. We expect to see um, you know in, in the playoffs Pittsburgh's sort of on the bubble there. Um, right. But he's getting close. They're getting close to, to clinching a spot. Um, and uh, beyond that, uh, you know, a lot of the other NHL players that we've talked about throughout this season, um, you know, Cale Gutman uh, or Cole Gutman, I should say the new uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawk is unlikely to make the playoffs um, as they haven't done it. But, you know, in, in serious contending for the MVP and now on the second best team in the NHL is sort of one of our, our boy heroes, uh, jack hughes it'll be his first taste of playoff action um and we'll be following jack throughout the playoffs as we watch new jersey first time in a long time they've been good and he's been one of the best players in the league real legitimate mvp candidate in his breakout season um so exciting to see you know what he does in his first test of playoffs he's still only 21 um might might be 22 by now but he's got a real good career ahead of him
0: right and uh you know over in the west uh zach hyman and the edmonton oilers obviously looking like real contenders. Uh, with
1: They're on uh, fire. They've you you know, been winning McDavid, a lot lately.
0: McDavid, you know, going to s- score the most goals for sure. Uh, yep. And, you know, it's nice for Hyman that, you know, uh, obviously when he was on the Leafs, he'd never been out of the first round because uh, I don't think the Leafs have ever made it out of the first round of the playoffs. But uh, he Not made it to the 15, conference finals. Almost 20 years. He made it to the conference finals last year. Uh, and we'll see how far they go this year. I mean, you definitely mm-hmm. have, a, have a chance to compete.
1: You know, he had a spectacular uh, playoffs last year, including a really spectacular second round um, Right. sort of almost helped uh, McDavid carry the team through. So Hyman, yep. he's a playoff performer. Really excited to see what he does this year.
0: Yeah. Sw- switching over to round ball just briefly, I uh, want to say that um, there has still never been an Israeli NBA player to make the playoffs. Omer Kaspi had a long career, but never made the playoffs, never made a playoff roster. And, uh, you know, people... I guess us, we were hoping that Denny of Dia might be the first person uh, first Israeli to make the playoffs this year. I think uh,
1: us and some other people, some other yeah, people other than other us people. were hoping. Yeah.
0: Uh, but the Washington wizards are currently three games back of Chicago for the 10th uh, spot, which would give, give them the last play play in game spot. So mm-hmm. pretty much, in, unless they win out, which I don't think they're even trying to do at this point, it's unlikely that Washington's going to make the playoffs. Um, so Denny is not going to have it this year, uh, maybe in the future, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year, um, which is too bad, you know. I uh, would love to see him get more experience. This has been a, mm-hmm. a sort of up and down season for him, but I think he's he's sort of established himself as a as a starter, someone who can start in this league. Uh, Absolutely. It's somebody, been an up you know, and down season, contribute. but he's
1: had some great success.
0: Yeah, he's had he's he's had some highs this year this season. Uh you know, again, still only 22 years old. The the development for NBA players is all sort of out of whack. We used to see guys come into the league at 23, 24, uh and now everyone's coming in at 19, 20, and that just sort of changes everything. It changes the, the, what you can expect from people. So, uh I think especially for someone who didn't grow up playing in the American system like that he's, you know, continued to develop well as a starter. Uh, and establish himself is, is pretty solid. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait for next year to to see whether he can make the playoffs and make a, a bigger contribution uh, on the floor. And
1: maybe he'll wind up on a, on a more contending team at any time. You know, yeah, NH- I don't,
0: I, I think NBA trades picked,
1: happen all the time.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think his options have been picked up for next year. So he'll, he'll definitely be on the Wizards uh, going mm-hmm. like into the offseason. Like he has a job and all that. Uh, it, it's very rare for... a fourth year option not to get picked up uh but who knows if the wizards decide to retool it wouldn't be shocking if he got traded somewhere uh in the off season uh if the wizards try to you know reset and tank and then uh retool for the future anyways uh why don't we go now to my interview with paul shatner
2: During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hanna Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
0: We're joined today by Paul Shinman. Uh, Paul, how are you? Uh, Great. It's good to be here with you guys. And Paul, can you tell our audience, uh,
2: what organization are you the founder of? I am the guy who started ice hockey in Israel. It started off actually as the Israel ice hockey and figure skating association way back in 1988. Wow. And and that was
0: because, um, there wasn't enough hockey, uh, or figure skating alone. I take it, it had to be combined the two, uh, in order to sort of get it off the ground.
2: Well, it, it took a long time to, to get people aware of the fact that there actually were ice rinks in Israel. Um, right. The, the first, the first ice rink opened in, uh, the town of Kiryat Motskin near Haifa in 1986. And okay. we actually had a, what's called a hockey chug. Like in, in Israel, you send your kid off to learn a sport or arts and crafts or or some type of skill. They call it the chug,
0: okay. a group
2: that you get together. So um, I, I'm actually not the first one on the ice in Israel. That, that, are, that uh, claim to fame is from two very good friends of mine, Ira Garshwitz from Toronto and Mark Telesnik who hails from Kingston. Um they heard that somebody was opening an ice rink and they showed up uh the evening of the opening. Mm-hmm. At, okay, now remember this is 1986. Right. And Israel's is Middle East. People think you know the Middle East, okay, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, the beach, and it's hot. They both made Aliyah with their skates. There was no <laughs> ice in Israel, okay? Right. Like, so th- this is Fervent Zionism and fervent Canadianism. They show up so, at the rink and, and, and they push their way to the front of the line. And, and my friend Ira, who is a, a great convincer, says, OK, we're here. And they go, what do you mean? Who are you? Oh, you know, we're the, we're the hockey guys for the opening. And they were so convincing, <laughs> they let them in. And they were on national TV, Ira, Ira and Mark, skating around something about three times the size of somebody's living room. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the first ice rink. And they were called "quote unquote" the super professionals from Canada, and that that that's so, how that that was the first start. So, Paul, you yourself are, are Canadian, uh, in origin. Yeah, correct? I. <clears throat> yep, I'm from Toronto. I and made Elliot. You, to...
0: you grew up playing hockey, as as most uh, young Toronto it's Toronto it. boys do, or or many yes, once of the time did. And uh, when you started playing hockey, or, or started up, uh, you know, thinking about Israel having a hockey team. Uh, in the late '80s or early '90s, was it mostly Canadian and American expats, people who had made aliyah, who were you know the the people who knew how to skate? I mean, I take it there weren't many you know Israel born Israelis born in the '50s and '60s who had much interest or knowledge about skating uh, in the early '90s. No,
2: <laughs> no not at all. There, um, it was mostly it was expat Canadians, Russians, and Americans right. for the most part, okay. and surprisingly enough, some Israeli kids. Um, there was, okay. The, the way it started was I made Elia in 1987 and the rink had been open for almost a year. And Mark Telesnick from Kingston, um, was living in Haifa. He was working on his PhD at the Technion at the time. He's now a, a professor of engineering there. And he, you know, they found out about this and they brought him in to be the hockey instructor. So okay. Mark, so every Friday morning we get like, you could fit like 10 guys, maybe 12 on the ice. And they'd run through some drills and play two-on-two two or three-on-three, three, hit, the, hit the pop can. You, you'd right. set a, a coat, an empty Coke can on the ice at either end. Because when I said this is three or four times the size of your living room, that's really how big it was. And Mark wanted to concentrate on his studies. He had a wife and a couple of kids at the time. And he convinced the, the guys who opened the rink, an Israeli family, to hire me to to be the hockey madrig, so to speak. And so they hired me because they were also building the new rink in Batyam, uh, the city just outside of Tel Aviv. It was going to be a lot bigger, and it was. It was about a third regulation size. And it was big enough to play four-on-four hockey on. So, you know, there there was a... (laughs) You had to find guys who were hockey players. I mean, right. you know, Israeli kids started skating right away. If, if kids lived near the rink, they'd show up and they'd, they'd skate. And they, of course, kids being kids, they want to skate faster. They want to jump higher. They want to do more spins, more stops, whatever, than the other guy. So Israeli, Israeli kids started um, being good skaters pretty quickly. And then they right. found out there was hockey and a lot of
0: them joined up. And so, uh, you know, looking at some recent rosters from Israel's hockey team, it is mostly... Israeli-born Israelis. I mean, it is kids who grew up, I take it, you know, ne- not necessarily with a ton of uh, family history, although maybe maybe they had families who, who played hockey back in, in the States or, or well, in the Soviet Union. No,
2: but no, no. A kids lot who of, grew up, uh,
0: you know, first-generation hockey players is a, a way to put it. Is that fair?
2: It's a mix because a lot of okay. them are, are the children. Look, back in the early 90s, a million Russians, uh, a million ex-Soviets. you know, Russians, right. Ukrainians, Kazakhstan, whatever, made Aliyah. In, in the space of a year. And we got a lot of experienced players and also their kids made it to the rink. So, um, you know, uh, you'll find a lot of, or several players on the team with Russian names with the first name, you know, Moshe or, you know, Yedidia. Right. Uh, we, we spoke and,
0: with uh, we spoke with Eliezer Sher- Sherbatov last year, uh, yeah. who's been the captain of the team uh, for for a number of years. His story was was pretty interesting in that you know his dad was sort of hockey obsessed and ended up moving to Canada. But yeah. uh, you know the way he got into Canada was talking talking to the Canadian customs agent, or at least the story is that he got in talking to the Canadian customs agent about about wanting to uh, wanting his kids to you know skate on the same ice as Gila Fleur and, and learn from the best. Um, so I imagine you know there were a fair amount of Soviet Jews who. Because of you know hockey's popularity in Russia and and other places you know had had the game uh, understood the game understood yep. how to skate and uh, wanted their kids to to have the same experience they had uh, even when they moved to Israel.
2: It absolutely and um, a lot of them you know started off playing hockey and they'd signed their kids up. There was actually a, a big roller hockey, um, well, a, a big enough sized roller hockey league in existence okay. as well. So inline hockey, inline hockey is big in Israel and it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a quick step off of the, the rollers and onto the, onto the ice. And and right. David Levin, as you know, who played for the Sudbury Wolves, um, is, is a prime example of that. It, an Israeli kid, he was born in Tel Aviv and at, at a young age decided he wanted to try hockey and ended up living with his aunt and uncle in Toronto and, you know, the rest is history. Right. Um, but at at the beginning, uh, you know, the biggest challenge was, of course, getting equipment. Um, I started, the first league had four teams at, at the pint size rink and butt-yum playing four-on-four. Four. And we only had like two and a half sets of goalie equipment. So mm-hmm. the, the first season was a double round robin. It was like six games. And the first game would finish, the goalies would take off the equipment and give it to the guys who were playing goalie in the next game. So like they're putting on like, <laughs> Wet, sweaty, stinky equipment, um, and and over the years we managed to get enough equipment, and it 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 caught on and and it got going and the I mean Canadians can be proud of the fact that there was a huge Canadian uh, boost to ice hockey in Israel. Back at the beginning, we couldn't get recognition from the Israel Olympic Committee. You know, okay. I wanted, I want, I wanted to get Israel into into the International Ice Hockey Federation. Right. You needed a letter from your Olympic Committee that you were the sole governing body of the of ice hockey in Israel. And you know, I went to them and they said, "Okay, what do you got?" I said, "Well, you know, we have a team with four leagues. Uh, I mean, a, a, a league with four teams." And they said, four teams? Yeah. How many guys on a team?" I said, "You know, fifteen guys on a team. Just we actually had sure. twelve, I think." And. <laughs> They said, "Okay, how many seasons have you had?" And I said, "One." And they said, "Oh, how many how many games?" And I said, "Well, you know, we had a double round robin." And they said, "You know, come back to us in a few years." Right. What? So out of the blue, I get a call from the woman who was doing the R and R for the Canadian Armed Forces peacekeepers. Okay. Back at back then, Canada had I think it was about 120 140 peacekeepers in the Golan Heights. These guys, of course, heard. Ice in Israel, they have a they had a weekly uh, Hercules supply flight come in from T- CFB Trenton, and sure. they made sure to get hockey equipment put on a- along with the Labats blue, uh, which you know the vital Canadian supplies. Sure, of course. So so this woman who's in charge of the R somehow gets my number and says, "Oh, we'd like to have an exhibition game." And I'm like, "No, really?" So. We organized this exhibition game, Team Israel against Team Canada, at the Yam Rink. Right. And luckily enough, um, the the head of the Israel Olympic Committee was available. And because I told him, oh, you know, the Canadian ambassador is going to be there, and he was, along with the entire staff of the embassy, and the mayor of Yam, uh, the late Ehud Kineman. so he said, oh, you know, okay, maybe I'll show up and see what's going on. So we had... The national anthems we had announcements in English and Hebrew and French we had the exchange of gifts at the beginning uh, my good friend Avi Hyman from Toronto came in to to help to be one of the referees and the Canadians blew out team Israel 20 to 2 and they were they were being polite but right. the head the head of the Olympic committee said oh you guys are serious I'll give you the letter of recognition got okay. that letter Sent it off to the IHF, and Israel joined and started playing uh, international hockey the next year. It, it,
0: it's it's very interesting to see, and, and we've seen this with Israel in, in a number of different sports. That it, that it sort of, you know, obviously it takes time to develop uh, the sport in a country that's not familiar with it. So you know, the idea that like you know, uh, a dozen guys who happen to be in in the peacekeeping force, you know, uh, what I mean is a dozen randomly picked Canadian soldiers were able to trounce anyone was Israel was going to put on the ice uh, you know, when this was yeah. 25 odd years ago. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, now the game's developed where I think they probably wouldn't, you know, it would be, it would be Israel no, before, definitely not. With, a, with a much more definitely solid not. team of guys who, you know, go through the system, start learning from a young age, but so much of it just has to deal with that early development because, you know, of that group of, uh, Canadian soldiers, you probably had a dozen guys who, you know, played high level, uh, organized hockey, you know, and had done so for yeah. 10 odd years. Uh, in their youth before, you know, probably played recreational hockey in Israel. Uh, sorry, it, it, recreational hockey in the army as well. Um, so it, it's interesting to see how these things take a lot of time to develop because you need those young people coming in, having interest and, in, and in, uh, you know, developing within the system to develop people who are going to play at a, at a later level. So in, in terms of, you know, how the game is developed, I mean, you've seen the entirety of, you, you've you witnessed the entirety of Israel hockey, uh, hockey in Israel, ice skating in Israel. How, how many rinks are there now? What What's the facilities like now compared to what it once was?
2: Well, the, we actually have um, – there are two Olympic rinks, one okay. in Matula uh, at the Canada Centre that a lot of people are familiar with. There's one in Elat, right. which is okay. in a shopping mall. But, however, yeah. that rink is not used for hockey. That's a whole other story. Okay. Uh, it's there for only for pleasure skating. Um, there's an NHL-sized rink with a smaller practice rink in the – town of Tnuvot, T-N-U-V-O-T, if you're looking it up, uh, near Netanya. And that's where a lot of the hockey takes place. There's a, a smaller four-on-four rink in the city of Holon, near Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was just an announcement a week or two ago of a new Olympic rink that's going to be built in the city of Ashtod that okay. um, Evgeny Gusin, who was a former uh, uh goalie for team Israel uh he heads up the the ice the, the ice hockey club um he's a big investor there uh the city of Holon announced uh towards the beginning of the covid epidemic that they were building a um an olympic rink in Holon i'm not exactly sure what what stage those plans are at um and with the success of the hockey tournament at the Maccabi games mm-hmm. um the Maccabiah organization itself is interested in in possibly building its own Olympic rink.
0: That's great. Um,
2: and there's some smaller rinks, a few smaller rinks around the country that you can skate on, but not really play hockey. Right. Well, that's certainly a
0: far cry from uh, something that's, you know, two or three times the size of my living room as you, as you described the initial, uh, <laughs> the initial rink that was there. Has there, has there ever been any thought towards putting together a, um, Jewish hockey super team that could represent Israel, similar to what we've seen uh, in the World Baseball Classic. I, I, I got to say, I don't know the oh. uh, IIHF rules as as well as you do, I'm sure, but I know that certainly sometimes they're more permissive in terms of who can play for a country if they have, you know, the possibility of citizenship rather than citizenship itself.
2: This is a whole other a whole other sure. program. You can get a couple of podcasts out of that. Uh, basically, the IA- IHF rules are pretty strict on who can play for a national team. Okay. Um, you you have to move to a country, make citizenship. You have to be officially transferred from one country to another. Uh, there, are t- there are time constraints, etc. So that type of you know Jewish super team at a World Championships representing Israel. Uh, can't really happen according to the IIHF rules. Baseball is a lot more uh, sure. flexible, more lenient with that. But still, I think it would, well, I, I suppose it would be interesting to
0: see how, uh, you know, Team Israel would stack up against a, a Jewish American and Canadian team. This has been sort of a golden age of, of Jewish hockey players in, in North America. It, um, it, there's been a, it a lot is. of success in the last little while. And, and 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 hopefully, I hope that reflects back to Israel as well. I don't know if there's. You know oh uh, definitely regular features about about the Hughes um, brothers or anything like that but i, I hope no that Israelis we're... are following jewish jewish athletes in in the uh, pro pro leagues
2: here too well well uh, the hockey players here they're they're i'm somewhere between uh, two and three thousand i think it's closer to three thousand hockey players now including oh, a lot okay. of girls um just to bring canadians up up to speed uh Israel is hosting the IIHF Division Three Group B World Championships this week. It opened yesterday. Uh, right. Team Israel lost 5-1 in the opener to Serbia. Um, but when you talk about Jewish hockey players and Israel, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, who is probably <laughs> one of the more famous Canadian Jewish hockey players, actually played for the Junior Team Canada at the Maccabee Games. Um when he right. was a junior. So he's here, he played here representing Canada. Mike Hartman, formerly of the Buffalo Sabres, Winnipeg Jets, uh, played for Team USA at that, at that same Akabia. Um So th- there's been a lot of uh, movement of uh, famous North American Jewish players who've been here. Uh, I mean, famous Canadians, uh, Jean Beliveau has been here, um one of the, one of the highlights of of my time in israel i look i've been in israel thirty five years uh got to sit down and have dinner with paul sitler and daryl uh the Paul henderson and daryl sittler they were here israel for um, thirty
0: five years but still canadian enough to uh to, oh, to you know have that as as a lifetime achievement i imagine
2: ab- absolutely and 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 when i called the c b c well c b c at the time still had their bureau in Jerusalem and I called them up to say, hey um you know we're having this Recreational Hockey Tournament. Our special guests are Daryl Suttler and Paul Henderson. And the correspondent at the time, I could hear her jaw hit the floor. <laughs> and she goes, what? Henderson? And she and she said she was only five years old when the Summit Series took place. And all her family talked about year in, year out, was the Summit Series and <laughs> Henderson's goal. And here was Henderson coming to Israel. So it, it's on YouTube. Uh, people can look it up. Uh, hockey Night in Canada, what, everybody knows about Hockey Day in Canada, when all the Canadian teams play each other, and it's, it's a full day of broadcast on the CBC. They did uh, a broadcast from Tel Aviv with Daryl Suttler and Paul Henderson. Um, uh, look it up on YouTube. It, it's amazing. Um, and it was like, <laughs> I can't tell you, it's such a thrill to have Thank them you. here in Israel. Um I, I just wanted to mention mention as well I'm
0: glad you brought up that uh a, a lot of the young players in Israel these days are women um because it, it was exciting to see that the uh, Maccabi Games had had women's hockey for the first time last year uh and Israel came in third I mean I don't want uh, Oh come on any questions this, about how many this is, how many teams this. there were but it's still, a Canadian Jewish news.
2: Can- Canadian women won the gold. Come on, that's right.
0: Canadian women won the gold. Uh, but it was the first time that they had women's hockey at, at the McCovey Games, and I, I think that's great. I, mean, I think it's it's exciting to be growing the game on on uh, for for everybody. And you know, it is sort of that same idea of like you just you need the base. You know, you need more and more people involved, and you're going to get more and more uh, high level players out of it. More better results from from everybody.
2: Well, I'm I'm happy to say that. That uh, hockey's been in Israel for basically 35 years. We have the base. Uh, Israel competes at four different levels now in international hockey. There's, you know, on the men's side, there's a senior team, under 20 and under 18 teams. The women uh, started playing last year, and hopefully we'll have a women's senior team, a women's and the uh, you know junior team as well. Um, it's only going up. It's only going up. And I and I always tell people, well, you know, if you're coming to Israel. Uh, bring your skates. Uh, if if you want to get into a pickup game, we might be able to get you some some equipment. But you know, it's always better if you have your skates with you. And and of course, I mean, hey, I've, I've been here a long time. If you're thinking of moving to Israel, remember that there is hockey there for you for your kids, and it, you know, it's got a great future. I, I think it's a great place to leave it.
0: Uh, I think that's great advice if you're going to Israel. Uh, call Paul up. Bring your skates. He'll he'll take you. To, he'll take you uh, skating at one of the local rinks. And uh, I know you didn't offer that. I'm offering that on your
2: back <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, but, I always put the pitch out. Uh, my pickup hockey game is every Thursday night, and we're always looking for extra players. There you go. Uh,
0: well, thanks so much for joining us, Paul. Uh, we you know look forward to m- covering more stories
2: about hockey in Israel and its continued growth. Okay, guys, great talking to you. Regards, everybody back in Canada.
0: Well, thanks again to Paul uh, for joining us. I, I think there was some really interesting stuff about the growth of the game in Israel. You know, just, just the facilities alone, they, you know, they have all these, uh, all these rinks now all over the place that can accommodate hockey is is great.
1: You know, when you think about like the, the evolving history of refrigeration, um, sure. you know, uh, expanded hockey facilities is like not the top of the list, but for a right. country like Israel, it's pretty exciting to see nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I do I do wanna also thank you, Jamie, for stewarding that interview uh solo very, very well. Um and you know, wanna mention it was an extremely cool thing to listen to about the growth of the game, especially amongst women and girls in Israel. Um yeah, you know, hockey absolutely. women's hockey is a huge deal in Canada, huge deal in the United States. Um, you know, growing in Scandinavia and there's no reason there's a lot of white space there. Ice pun intended um for <laughs> uh Israeli women to start, you know cracking some heads um you know we've had a number of women from the canadian women's mccubby team on this podcast before um and perhaps sooner rather than later we can get some women from the israeli national hockey team um mostly to talk about that project
0: that is an interesting point and i you know it's sort of i don't know weird to focus on but if your goal was to create a international team from a place like from scratch uh, there's a lot of women's sports where you could make that happen just because there isn't hasn't traditionally and been the investment in quickly. development yeah and yeah. make them good quickly i mean we we've, we've seen it certainly in soccer that there have been places that have sort of uh, really invested it invested in it and seen dividends so yeah women's hockey in israel i i think that's absolutely a place that you know could represent at a high level uh, mm-hmm. uh, paul talked about you know the uh, the women's involvement in ih double IHF tournament and ho- Israel hosting it this year. Uh, so, yep. you know, that's definitely something to keep a, a lookout. And, you know, at some point listeners in the future, you're going to see something, some headline about Israel's uh, women's hockey team doing something surprising. And, uh, you know, there's no reason to be surprised. It is growing. It's developing. <laughs> it, it'll happen. You know, I'm just saying the investment pays, pays dividends in ways that uh, in, in all kinds of ways. And if you believe in the, the value of sport and then you believe in the value of the game, uh, if you love hockey, uh, I, I think it's worth encouraging. I think, it, I, I think it's something that Canadians can contribute. I mean, uh, around Absolutely. the world, you know, it's something in, in Israel specifically. Um, well, we so consider, it really you cool know, as,
1: as good old Canadian folk at the CJN, you know, it's, sure. that's why the story is interesting to us. And you, the listener, you know, we're, we're proud to bring you these Jewish sports stories from around the globe. And this one happens to have a bit of a Canadian connection.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we—I I talked to Paul a little bit just about interviewing uh, when we interviewed Eliezer Sherbatov last year, uh, mm-hmm. his book about his sort of origins. And you know, I just—it's it, fundamentally fascinating how how sport touches people in all kinds of different ways, shapes lives. Uh, you know, goes beyond boundaries uh, and, and borders literally. So uh, I I really think you know we should continue to encourage the growth of hockey all over the world including in Israel I mean especially in Israel absolutely for, for Canadian Jews I think that's that's got to be our perspective
1: I mean you know if we want to tie the episode full circle in the last sure. month of our content full circle you know we just finished probably the most successful international baseball tournament of all time yeah. um, you know featuring a lot of young Israeli baseball players from mostly North America but all over the world um, sure. and you know players from Italy players from Czech Republic You know, and these are guys with day jobs um, that are here to play for the love of the game and, you know, hopefully chase a dream of a career in professional sports, which now, you know, these are touch points that take us through the rest of our fandoms.
0: Absolutely. Um, And and look at look at baseball. I mean, the the, the WBC finals was between America, obviously the country that developed the game, that that created the game and, and Japan, who ended up winning where, you know. I, I guess maybe a hundred years ago, the game was—you know—the game was only introduced in the last hundred years, and you know has developed into this cultural obsession. That uh, I, I would think, if you were, I don't know, al- alive during the Meiji Restoration, the idea of baseball <laughs> being uh, the most important thing culturally in, in Japan would w- would seem absurd. So you I, know, it, these things—these things can. That happen. finals
1: is likely the most watched baseball game of all time anywhere, right. and it was at seven in the morning in Japan.
0: Wow. Well, I look forward to the next WBC. It sounds like it's happening in twenty twenty six. Like it's it's a it's a done deal. For and Israel's like back. It, it, it's happening. Israel's back. They, you know, four, four years for Team Israel to put the team together. I know the guys. An Olympiad, on that, uh, a full
1: Olympiad, uh, for a full Olympiad to the team together.
0: Yeah. The guys who run the team are going to be doing that. And you know, obviously, not a great result this time. The the one win against Nicaragua uh, was amazing, but uh, you know, we're going to be back better than ever next time. And we're gonna go, Gabe. We're going next time. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like you know, we, you we you and I have young children. It's hard to get away. But four years from now, uh, yeah, we can be go. Good. This podcast still happening. Uh, fully funded by the CJN. I, I see our producer Michael nodding his head vigorously about that. Yeah. Um, we're, Hopefully, we're you know, maybe he sells
1: us day. to Barstool by then. Who knows?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time, uh, you can find all our content at the Canadian Juice News website, the CJN.ca. Uh, please like and subscribe to this podcast uh, on whatever you're listening to it. If if you're just listening on the CJN's website, that's great. But you know, get one of your children or nieces or nephews at the Seder to download a podcast app onto your phone and and subscribe to this podcast. It can download automatically. It could be in your that's in your ears every two weeks.
1: That's true. We've got you. Everyone has a, a unique opportunity over the next two weeks, um, a very <laughs> big chance to tell everyone they will see it a regular Seder. You know, I listened to this podcast about Jews and sports and they talked about Team Israel and then the guy they had on the podcast on Team Israel, he then hit a big hit to make the Team Israel almost win. So yeah, that's right. That's a story you can tell everybody. You heard an this interview is- with Spencer Horowitz right after his heroic moment.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is this this is the official podcast of uh, Jewish Uncles at the Seder, uh, trying to connect with the younger generation, <laughs> ourselves <laughs> included. Now, uh, and always uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Menchwormers uh, for all your up to date Jewish content and uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.